0: Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. My name is Kristen Harcourt. I'm your host. I'm an executive coach and professional speaker. I create this podcast to talk to progressive CEOs, strategic HR leaders, and forward thinking experts who are passionate about leadership development and creating positive cultures. And part of that for me when I think of leadership development is really helping leaders to do the inward work and show up authentically. We spend a lot of time at work and we don't have to be one person at home and another person at work. Let's integrate both of those sides. I've been wanting to talk to today's guest forever, so I'm really, really happy we're finally making this happen. So I want to introduce you to Shelly Paxton. Shelly, first of all, listen to her title. She is the Chief Soul Officer, so I know this is my kind of girl. She's a speaker, author, she's a Dare to Lead facilitator. We both love Brene Brown, and she's a consultant as well. And she has a new book, so I really encourage everybody to go out and check it out. It's called Sobatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. Welcome to the show, Shelley.
1: Thank you, Kristen. I'm so glad we finally made this happen. I've been really excited to talk to you as well.
0: Um, so Shelly, like I said, you had me at, at chief soul officer and it, you know, it's funny because three and a half years ago I left corporate, started my own job. And, you know, one of the things that I think about is I think I felt a little bit, um, I didn't have the permission to use some of those words to say soul, to say heart. And, and to me, when we think about corporate, when we think about leaders, that is such a, a huge part of, of who we are too. We need to tap into our soul, tap into our spirit. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. How did you even come up with that name?
1: Oh man, well, it's so
0: it's so interesting. You said three
1: and a half years. I've been on this journey for three and a half years too. So I left Harley. So let's start with the Harley thing. So the the pinnacle of my you know executive career was becoming chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. So I had from the outside looking in. I had the sexiest job in the marketing world, working for this iconic brand that people tattoo on their bodies and it all looked like, wow. And for me, it was like, it was wow. And I was also going, is this all there is? Like I am like shiny on the outside, but I feel empty on the inside. So fast forward, the universe started to like, you know, you know, the universe like whispers to you, then it shouts to you and then it like whacks you with a two by four. And I had that experience where this nightmare kept waking me up again and again and again. And I, and I realized that what I was seeing in this nightmare was actually a proxy from my soul and my soul was neglected and malnourished and I was completely out of touch with it. I wasn't loving it or listening to it. And so that's a little context for when I realized that that was happening, I went, you know what, it's time for me to pay attention because I don't know what's going to happen next. And the situation I'm in is unsustainable and I'm not being true to me. And so I started paving the way for me to leave this huge job, this iconic company. And what scared me more than just, you know, walking away from a big title and a six-figure salary and, you know, all the accolades and all the things was that nobody around me really supported what I was doing. Harley thought I was crazy. My parents thought I was crazy. My friends, my peers, my colleagues... Everybody like there was part envy, but part like, does she know what she's doing? Has she completely lost her marbles? And so to answer your question, I woke up one morning because I had just I had been sitting with this idea of like, I've got to help people understand that there's like there's gravity in this situation. This is this is the most important work I'm ever gonna do in my life, is really understand the iconic brand of Shelly Paxton. Yeah, and invest in the possibility of my future self. And I woke up one morning and it was just, it was like clear as day. It was like on my bedside table. It's like a note from the universe. And I was like, oh, I get it. I'm becoming chief soul officer of my own life because if I have a title, I'll take it seriously. That's what my mentality was in that day. And now it's stuck because it's so powerful and I understand it. But in that day, it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to give myself this title and this responsibility, and I'm going to call my journey my sabbatical because my singular mission is to nurture and nourish my soul and see where it leads me. Mm. So that's kind of how, and honestly, I put those on LinkedIn because look, staring at a blank page when you're sort of closing out one chapter on LinkedIn as a business person. I've been, been in the corporate world for 26 years at this point. Yes, And it's like, you're closing out the Harley chapter, which feels scary. Like all the feels were coming up. I was crying and I was excited and I was scared, you know, out of my mind. Yes. And then it's like the blank page, like what's next, Shelly? And I was like, chief soul officer of Soulbatical. <laughs> and I just put that and what was so interesting is when I put that out there, people really started to understand what I was doing a little bit more, right? Yes. And they got curious. Yes. Like, What does this mean? Where are you going? You know, where does it lead? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm trusting and surrendering. Mm. And that's sort of what guided me on this journey.
0: Wow. Wow. And, and I can connect with exactly what you're saying, that a lot of times when you're going, taking that path and everybody else is taking the other path, it can feel really, really uncomfortable, especially when you have everybody around you questioning Uh, What helped you get through that? Because I think this happens a lot, right? When people start to actually get to that place where they're reconnecting with that authentic self and they start to really hear their truth, um, it can feel really uncomfortable because they realize they were maybe living somebody else's dream, somebody else's life. It's not actually what their soul was telling them. And But again, everyone around you is like, uh, I don't think so. They're not going to, they're going to kind of push for you to stay in the box, stay where you've been. So what did you do to get through that?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. And you're right. It's it's not only a scary experience, it's a really lonely experience. And it's her, I'll get to your question in a second, but I just want to say this for everyone who's listening or watching us. It's the reason I wrote this book because i wish there would have been somebody who put their arm around me and said i got you we're gonna get through this everything you want is on the other side sit in the discomfort as our friend brene says right Mm -hmm. Normalize discomfort and i read a lot of brene brown in those days so honestly that's part of it um I, well, so, so that's, that's the reason. So I, I don't want, I want other people to feel like, oh, there's sort of a blueprint for doing this. Other people have done it and done it successfully. I will get through this. We can do hard things. So that was my mission in writing the book. And I talk a lot about the journey. I mean, the journey was terrifying because I felt alone. I felt scared. I would ask myself on a regular basis, what the F have I done? <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I'm You know, some mornings I was excited, and other mornings I was like curled up in the fetal position. Yes. So, what I did is, for, at the first, I realized that I was addicted to busyness. And so yes. I didn't actually sit down and go inward. It took me a few months to be able to do that. Yes. And when I did, I was looking for who is modeling this? Who, who, are the, who, who are the kind of upholders of authenticity and courage and purpose? Who are people I can learn from? So I was rereading like Cheryl Strayed's Wild. Mm-hmm. I was reading everything Brene Brown. I was reading Gay Hendricks' The Big Leap. I was really just trying to grab, I was reading Gary Zukav's Seat of the Soul. Yes. I was, I was looking to others virtually to just help give me some frameworks, some things to hang on to. So because I knew, I knew it was possible, but I also knew it was one step at a time and I couldn't see clearly where I was going or what was even going to come up of this. I certainly couldn't see to three and a half years later where I have a business, a book, I'm having this conversation with you, you know, I do speaking engagements. I I couldn't have known that Solbatical was going to become a movement and everything that it is today. And that's the thing I would remind everybody of is like, we can't even imagine the bigness of what's waiting for us.
0: Yes, yes. I think there's so many things that are important with what you just said there. One is recognizing the messiness, right? Because I think sometimes people see, oh, one day she was doing this, the next day she was doing this. Oh, she's so brave, she's so courageous. I don't have that in me. No, no, we all have to go through the messiness. I I, I was just even rec- um, posting the other day around, uh, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning with this global pandemic and I notice there's some anger that comes through, and I just want to say f this, f this. When this is going to be over? And I let all the swearing come out. I let it move through me. I don't judge it. I don't shame myself because the, it's, there might be some people who might think, oh, well, you know, she talks all about emotional intelligence. She's a coach. So she doesn't experience that. No way. We all experience the messiness, exactly.
1: right? But every, we get-
0: day. We're human. every day it's a, it's a it goes yeah. like this it's the the emotions are always moving but it's it's recognizing cuz i think sometimes people feel like oh um that's just me other people don't experience that so thank you for very so very much sh- sharing authentically and vulnerably that that was part of your experience just like everybody else's when we make this kind yeah, of yeah
1: and can i can i just comment on that i love that you picked up in messiness is something i talk about a lot i wrote this book it's messy yeah. it's messy the book is messy it's the insides because what scares me the most especially in this social media world is that we compare our insides to other people's outsides yes and we don't see the messiness so it yes. was really easy for people to believe that i had it all together i had the perfect life you know i had achieved everything i wanted to achieve because they couldn't see and at the time i wasn't sharing what was happening on the inside. I wasn't sharing that I was drinking a bottle of wine every night. I wasn't sharing that I was like crumbling in a heap of tears going, how can I be at the top and just feel so unfulfilled? What have I, you know, what have I done wrong? And then feeling guilty because I've achieved this level of success that a lot of people don't, don't achieve. And people would give limbs to be in the job that I was in. So it was really, I feel a huge sense of responsibility. And you know, I do this in my social feeds as well to show my insides and to talk about what I'm going through. And I wrote the book. I mean, the book is a warts and all exploration of my journey because that's what I want people to see and learn from.
0: Yes. It's true, right? We see the highlight reel and, and to give everybody credit in general, like if I think about, I remember this story where my, my son was like eight months old and I I left him in the high chair and he somehow got into his diaper and he was literally covered he was covered in poo. I'm not going to go share that on social media. Right. But in that moment, I'm like, Oh my God, like what is going on right now? Like, I don't want to be here right now. (laughs) Like my kid is covered in poo. The other kid's calling me over there. My husband's upset and he's calling and feeling frustrated. So much going on, but I'm probably not going to be on social media sharing all of that kind of stuff. Right. So I think that's such a good reminder. And uh, it also know, makes
1: should sense. you, right? Yes. Because it's part of our human experience. Right. Right. That's, and so that's many what people happens. would be like, Oh my God, Kristen, I so connect with you. Yes. Like <laughs> I just had that moment. And I feel like that's part of what's going on with this pandemic too, is like the more we can share the human moments that we're experiencing yes. in, you know, in isolation, in quarantine, the more, the more we're connecting with each yes. other.
0: So true. And I think what happens sometimes is um, people can be uncomfortable with others sharing the emotions because they have it in them and they're not giving themselves permission. So it was interesting, even when I shared what I was experiencing and that it was okay, no judgment, we're allowed to feel anger, we're allowed to feel sadness, we're, and someone went right to um, you know, I think you wouldn't feel the anger in the first place when you started to think about what's happening in the world and, and started talking about a situation where, you know, a a terrible tragedy, tragedy that actually, um, happened in Nova Scotia recently, which, which was awful. I I think, yeah, Yeah. I think it was, we're at 23 people who, who, who died and it's awful, Mm -hmm. but it was a great example of, um, struggling with being able to give the, the, she couldn't give herself permission that we are still allowed, even though other things like that are happening out there, that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to have our own personal experience where we are feeling sadness, anger. You, we don't have to make ourselves, even sometimes people are misinterpreting the positive psychology that means, well, you should have gratitude 24 seven, and you should always be positive. That's not, that's not even what the positive psychology movement is trying to show it. We, we are supposed to. To have the full, um, the full human experience, which is all emotions. But I think others who uh, are still kind of on their inward journey and haven't done some of that inward work feel uncomfortable when people are sharing some of that because th- there's almost, uh, those are bad emotions. We're not supposed right. to experience anger. We're not supposed to experience sadness.
1: Yeah, and and I love that you talk about permission because this is one of the big things. I kind of wrote up um, like eight to ten commandments of being a chief sole officer. Yeah. And the number one is we don't ask for permission. We give yeah. ourselves permission. Yes. And I love that you say that. And in fact, I start every day and I, and I have all my clients do this too. In fact, I've got my, I start every day with orange post-it notes because orange is my thing, as you know. Um, And I, and I ask the question, like, what do I need to give myself permission to do to feel, or maybe to not do yes. in order to show up as my most authentic and courageous and powerful self today. It's very much a Brene thing, right? The permission slips exercise, and that is so crucial to being chief soul officer of your life. It's like, check in and give yes. yourself that space and that grace, yes. right? Yes, yes. So that's one thing I share with everybody that I think we can do more of that, like in the moment, like even doing that in meetings, especially now that we've got virtual meetings happening, like give yourself permission, like what do you need to just need permission to get messy in this meeting to come to some resolution, give yourself permission to just turn everything else off, whatever it is, give yourself permission to take a nap. I think that's right now. We are feeling the heaviness of this situation. Yes. So, I would love more and more people to say, you know what? Or just like I call it napitate, right? Yeah. Do a little yeah. like nap meditation by just yes. closing my eyes yes. and put a cover over my eyes for like 20 minutes in the afternoon and it rejuvenates me.
0: And I think it's really a good reminder around what it looks like to be constantly checking in with ourselves and recognizing what our needs are and our needs are, are changing and shifting throughout the day. And I, I love the example that you gave there in the meeting because I, that's shown up with a couple of clients and, and what they actually did is they, they shared very authentically in a meeting what was coming up for them and what they were experiencing. And guess what? Then it started to create this beautiful moment of connection where everybody else on that meeting started to share what they were experiencing. I again, goes back to now they didn't feel lonely. Like they're the only one feeling like this. Um, There was a shared experience of, you know, we're all going through this together, but also recognizing um, when we're all going through the ups and downs, we're not all going through the ups and downs in the same moment. So one person could be in a I feel so inspired right now. I feel creative. All of my energy is flowing. And then your spouse or your partner in that moment could be actually having a really hard moment. And so it's really meeting people where they are too because we're, we're all experiencing this in different ranges and different places on a, a minute by minute basis.
1: It's so true. And I just love the conversations that, that we're having, like the human yes. conversations that we're having. I was the guest on a virtual book, club last night. They were reading my book yeah. and it was so much fun. We got into exactly these kinds of conversations. I'm like, we don't have to dive into all the details of the book. I wanted to use it as a way to get into like, how are people feeling right now? Because you and I talked before about this. The world is basically on solvatical. So how are they using the time? What are the feelings that are coming up? What are the realizations yeah. that they're having? Like, yeah. what do I want more of in my life? That maybe I'm like, oh, I didn't have enough of that pre-pandemic. What do I want to create more of, and actually have less of yeah. coming out of this? Yeah. And so I've been, I've been like, I feel profoundly on purpose right now because. I believe that this is our moment. This is our time to slow down. Yes. The world is on pause to a degree. And I'm not talking, I mean, the frontline essential workers, I mean, oof, like huge, huge gratitude for everything that they're doing right now and always. Yes. Um, but for the rest of us, even if we're working from home, actively working and running our families and everything, we have a moment. I've been encouraging people to like, find your soul signal in the midst of all this noise. Even if it's 15 minutes a day, just go sit in your closet. If it's the only dark and quiet room in your house, sit in a closet and just check in, be silent, sit still and listen. It's such a beautiful time for us to reconnect with that little voice. And when we're in the rat race, And we're, you know, distracted by busyness. We lose that connection. It's where I was when I was at Harley. So finding that signal will guide us through this storm and beyond.
0: And I think that's so important. This is an opportunity. See the gift. What's this moment here to teach you? and for some of us it's it's slowing down and their de- your defaults or people listening right now your default is to do 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 and so even at home in the situation you're trying to find ways to do, 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 because it feels uncomfortable to be in, in the being. But the being is is the magic. That's where so much learning and growth can happen. But it's about taking a, a step back and, and asking yourself some questions. And, and maybe it's about reprioritizing. Maybe it's about recognizing what you thought was most important is not actually what's most important. And maybe um, when you're noticing you're feeling anxiety or frustrated or overwhelmed, when you slow down, you can recognize that, oh, oh, it's telling you something, but you just didn't have the time before to listen to what it was telling you because like you said, you were so distracted in all the busyness.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's so beautiful that I've been doing a lot of talking about the being versus the doing. And it, it is uncomfortable, right? That's why people are doing every house project under the sun right now, because it keeps us busy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, great. Do some of that, but be sure that you create that time to be. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. And yes, it's also going to be the most powerful and rewarding thing because the one thing I'm super clear on is we have the agency and the opportunity to shape how we want to come out of this.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Right. The more of us who are doing that, you and I, like we're big on shifting culture. This is how we got connected. This is what lights us on fire. And I want more people to be, connected with like, I call it rebelling for, right? So I'm the rebel. I'm the, my whole thing is about awakening the rebel within if it's not already firing. And the way I like to think about it is, you know, get really clear on who you are, what you want, and the impact you want to have in the world. Yes. And then start thinking about how do I want to rebel for those things? as we come out of this and you're shaping and creating your life.
0: What a beautiful invitation, Shelly. And as you're even talking about that from the culture perspective, um, you know, there's going to be some people who are listening to this. They might be HR leaders, maybe they're CEOs and they're wondering how can we start to shift and create more of this in our organizations? What's some of the advice you have for them?
1: Oh, I love this. This is actually more of the work I want to do in the world. And this is, this is I think, the, the first book was a springboard to have exactly those conversations, because the more of us who are choosing as leaders to be the chief sole officer of our lives, and if we're choosing wholehearted and courageous leadership, as Brene would say, we are bringing that into our work. Yeah. And bringing that into our work means... Radical self-care and self-commitment is on the C-suite agenda.
0: Yes. That's
1: one thing that's incredibly important to me. And I've actually, so we talk a lot about radical self-care, but I've kind of elevated it to this conversation of radical self-commitment, because Mm. that means I'm committed to my values. It means I'm committed to my boundaries. I'm committed to the space and time I need to rest and recover all of those things and it means the you know treating my body well right it means sleep it means hydration it means eating <laughs> eating well it means moving all of those things but it's more than that yeah. and so i love this idea like mind valley mind valley as a company i talk about them in the book because they have this concept called morning autonomy yeah and it's really interesting to think about right now because What if we give more people the morning, we say, you know what, meetings don't actually start until 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. We give people the morning, whether it's for family time, a passion project, you know, I'm a writer, I love to spend morning creative hours writing, uh, workout time, whatever it is. What if we as leaders started to bring more of that into our, our workplaces And we first model it. I I actually think our first responsibility is to model this for our teams and then create culture around it. My dream is that cultures begin to serve the humans instead of the humans serving the culture, Mm. which is how I feel it works today. So flipping that script, the second piece of it that I'm super passionate about is Let's talk about this time off thing. I mean, first of all, sabbatical sounds like, oh, I have to leave my job and go do this, these things. And the realization I had with sabbatical is actually sabbatical is a way of being. It's not about leaving your job. It's about finding yourself and determining what you want to rebel for and what you want to create in your life and doing it and leading through it more yeah. authentically, courageously and on purpose, right? Yeah. However, one thing I'm passionate about is I feel like this time off script that feels so old in companies right now is like, well, it's a payoff for hard work. Right. Like, really? What if it was a prerequisite for smart work and creativity and innovation? And I think we as leaders can start to think about it that way. And make sure that everyone is taking time off and disconnecting so that they're refueling. Imagine the productivity and the amazing ideas that would start to come out of that kind of approach.
0: I mean... this kind of shift, that you know, I've been talking about humanizing the workplace for, for the last six years and everything you're saying, and, and you've said so eloquently to me. Of course, I hear this and I'm like, why wouldn't every company be doing this? It's so no. like, why why wouldn't we? It's good for everyone. Everyone in that organization is going to feel a lot better. And, uh, But I, I do agree with what you're saying. I think it does start with, the more leaders we can have going through their own personal experience, their own personal transformation and seeing how the world looks when they, when they when it, yeah. everything looks like this, then they start to see, well, why wouldn't I want this for all of the people where we work? And, and then they can start there's lots of good work that they are gonna do, right? When they're on purpose, they're going to go create amazing things in the world, but they're gonna do it so much more effectively because they're gonna be able yeah. to access their creativity, they're gonna be able to work better with the team around them. They're going to challenge things in a beautiful way, like Brene, with the courageous conversations, right? They're going to acknowledge and and say where things are not really, uh, where the status quo needs to be challenged because they're going to have that permission. There's just so many beautiful ways we can take that on an individual level and make this happen in our companies.
1: Yeah and, we, yeah, and let's take the responsibility for creating that in the companies we work with. That's what leadership is, right? There's another concept that I feel is really relevant to talk about right now because a lot of what I see, especially with my clients who are in the corporate world, yeah. is that corporations are just stacking Zoom calls from yeah. 8 a.m. until 7 p.m. No breaks. Everything is stacked people aren't getting a chance to rest and recover and i talk about a concept in my book it's modeled after you know elite athletes pro athletes the reason they're so good at what they do is because part of their training program involves rest and recovery,
0: recovery. there's no yes. way
1: they can get to the level right so I talk about this idea of like rally and recovery in terms of how we build our schedules. And so I would love to see corporate America do more of this or corporate North America, corporate, you know, global Global. corporate, right. Do, although I I think we're especially bad at it in in North America. (laughs) Um, I I, I would love to see it's like, yeah, let's do like a couple of hours and then we take a break. We've got to give ourselves, we were not designed as humans to be sitting in chairs and in front of devices for 10, 12, 14 hours at a time. Mm -hmm. So how can we start to rethink what the business day looks like? So we give people breaks for that rest, for meditation, for a walk outside, Mm -hmm. for a nap even, whatever it looks like. So that I'm super passionate about. We've got to find a way to break the mold of, you know, the, my days used to start at 7 a.m. every day at Harley. So I was at the office at 6.30 and I never left before, you know, six. Then I went home, I made dinner and I got on all my evening calls because a portion of my team was in Asia. Yes. Yes. And it's like I was never giving myself those breaks, and no wonder we get burned out, right? That's the, that is the formula for burnout.
0: The burnout one is is big, and and I have to say, I really think this goes back to the modeling the behavior again, because I've had many many conversations, and I support several HR leaders that you need to model what you're saying, because I can't tell you how many times yes we we're all about health and wellness in organization employees make sure that you're taking care of yourself they are at the office at six or seven. They are looking at their uh, available and answering emails 24 seven on weekends in, on the evenings in the evenings, yeah. they are eating their lunch at their desk. They are. So all of these things, which again, it does end up creating a lot of burnout for them. But not only that, you are, you're an HR, you're that leader who wants to be the guiding light that's showing you the way, showing everyone the way that the possibilities yeah. And, and how's that going to happen, right? And and I, I've said to so many HR leaders, you have an opportunity to go have some really courageous conversations and hold up the mirror and say, you know, this is what's happening in the organization. It's not acceptable to expect our people to be available 24-7. We need to implement new. And, I, and I'm very cognizant of when we start to get so much into the rules and, and create a structure, it shouldn't even have to be about rules. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a conversation and communication that's constant constantly going out there. Because what I really see, and and I know, Shelley, you and I really believe strongly around the values piece, the organizations will spend the time to get clear on their values and their guiding principles. And how demoralizing is it with when you go into work day in, day out, and those values are not lived and breathed by all the leaders you see around you?
1: Yeah, and and values are not like, I hate when things live on plaques on walls, right? So how do, yeah, how is it three-dimensional? How is it lived and practiced and modeled every single day? And it does start at the top, right? It absolutely, you look at like Mark Benioff from salesforce.com, right? You know, so it's like meditation is a big thing, mindfulness. So he, he has mindfulness, you know, in meetings, is as training in the organization, you know, meditation rooms in headquarters, like there is a way it's not impossible for us to be mindful as leaders and model this and create culture around it. People are so desperate for it right now, especially right now. And I think this is opening a lot of people's eyes to what is possible because I know in many of the companies I worked in, they were really hesitant to embrace any sort of remote working situation. I was like, nope, it all happens here. It happens in the building. And I'm like, how true is that? And now we're proving that it's not true. And that this new reality, I think, is going to shift more and more of the workforce to flexible work hours, to flexible remote time time and time. Maybe some offices will even cease to exist because now we know this is possible. So I just love that there are lots of silver linings. Yes, this is a scary situation. It's super uncertain. We don't know exactly where it's going, but I encourage everybody to see the many silver linings that are, the many gifts that are in this because we have that opportunity to radically change the way we live and
0: work and for all organizations that are listening don't make this something where this is over and it goes back to business as usual (laughs) this is an opportunity to start to make those shifts and 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 guess what it's about baby steps i'm not saying tomorrow you're going to do everything all at once but start slowly start implementing these different things. And, um, I, you know, one other thing I like to ask you, Shelly about, um, with, cause you do it work, support a lot of leaders. I, I do as well from an executive coaching perspective and where I think there's a disconnect as well when it comes to leadership development is there's not enough support available for leaders in a lot of organizations. I think fortune 100 fortune 500 companies are doing it well. Um, some, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to generalize. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot who are not investing in their leaders in that way. And I, I truly believe executive, not even executive emerging leaders, but having support available for all leaders is critical. So what's your experience been there, Shelly? Like what, what do you notice in terms of the differences between the companies who get it and support their leaders and the ones that don't?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, to be honest, I really only work with the ones who get it because, because I feel like it's pushing the ball uphill, right? Trying to push water uphill with the ones who don't get it. And I, I haven't been there yet to, but I, I would eventually like to go in and, and help leaders who are like, okay, I see a glimmer of possibility and maybe this moment in time will help. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's a shame, right? You know, I actually, I'm going to flip the question a little bit yeah. and say this. I think we all as leaders need to get really, really clear on our values. Yeah. And we need to make sure that those values align with the companies that we work with. Yes. And if a value you hold as a leader is one that prioritizes personal and professional development, then make sure you are working for an organization that supports that and leaders who model and support that. I think this is what I see. People get so frustrated, and this is another. This is another um, ingredient of burnout, right? Because you're in, a, you know, I see people like emerging leaders in places that aren't offering that support. And so they're just modeling, people are modeling what they see and they're spinning and spinning and spinning without that support, without that, you know, even understanding of how to go inward or how to be a wholehearted and courageous leader.
0: Yes.
1: So I want to say, because the more of us who say, you know what? No more. I'm not going to work for a company or a culture that doesn't align with that value. Mm. The more we're going to force it to happen. It's, again, another piece of the culture shift.
0: Absolutely. Because if talents demanding, which a lot has supported to millennials and Gen Z and next generations where they're saying, guess what? I'm not bought into this anymore. I'm not sacrificing my life to be at work 24 seven. I do want to live my purpose. I do want to be somewhere where it's where my values get to be lived and breathed. And if you're not honoring that, that's not where I want to do my work. Um, so I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. If we can have more people demanding that we want to work in organizations that, um, are, are, are going to be heart centered and who are going to be, um, creating that space for courageous leadership. And, and it does, it, I have definitely seen a shift in, in the last 10 years where uh, there was a time where I couldn't even say heart-based leadership. It would be like, why are we talking about the heart? Or I would say love at work and, and love, not like romantic love, like love in terms of human connection. And now I can say that and people don't get it yes. so. Well, so it's so another one of
1: those words, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's
1: like in some places some places even the media is sometimes funny. Like there's like can you say ceo of your life and i'm like well you can say that but i'm choosing not to say that because i think saying chief soul officer is like gets the deeper essence of who we are as humans and that's what we need more of that's what we need more we're starting to see more of that in our leadership especially now in the midst of this pandemic i mean i i feel like we've seen more heart-led and soul-centered leadership than ever before and it's beautiful and i'm like i just like every day i'm like please 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 can this just continue i want to see the trajectory just because it's really beautiful and we're going to like the world is going to be a happier more fulfilling place to be like that's the world i want to live in absolutely coming from that place
0: yes yeah yeah i mean my my mission's really been to to raise consciousness globally and i think we have an opportunity to really raise that consciousness in workplaces Um, Shelly, I knew this was going to be the case that I wasn't going to want to get off this conversation because I was going to love it so much, but we're going to end, but Shelly and I were talking before, there'll be a part two at some point. Um, but go in the show notes, you'll have all the information around Shelly's book and you can check her out on her website, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but Shelly final thought you'd like, like to leave with our audience.
1: So here's, uh, this just came to me. So here's a provocative thought for any leaders who are listening to this and who want to take steps in this area, I believe my next book is going to be the soul of business. And I really want to dig deep into this. So any progressive leaders who are listening, who want to have this conversation, who might even be willing to do this together. So we create case studies that are the foundation of this next book. And we create these cultures that we're talking about that, lights me on fire. So reach out to me. I would love to have the conversation.
0: Yes. Take the invitation. Anyone who's listening, take the invitation. Thank Thank you you so much, Shelly, for for sharing your soul, your spirit, your authentic self with all of us today.
1: Thank you. It's been an honor. It's been awesome. I can't wait for part two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Have a great day, everyone.